1: Canada today. Hope it is a good one for you. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's the best of inside sports on 630 Jed. We're back with a live show tomorrow, 6 to 8 every weeknight here on 630 Jed. You've already heard from Chris Cuthbert, Warren Moon, and Marty Zelina. Zelina was talking about some players he uh, played with, Kevin Lowe and uh, Jerome Ginla, who are going to be going into the Hockey Hall of Fame. It is a. Uh, uh, tentative induction for November in Toronto as we will see how things go with the pandemic by then. I was also able to catch up with Glenn Anderson on the day of the Hall of Fame announcement and uh, Glenn Anderson, an Oilers legend, very happy that Ken Holland and Kevin Lowe are heading into the hall. First
2: of all, congratulations to uh, to both of uh, Mr. Holland and to Mr. Lowe. They um, totally deserve it. Well, well deserved and kind of overdue. Kenny uh, goes back to the days when um, Jimmy Neal sat beside him practically every night in Detroit. And uh, he was my old winger with the Canadian national team when Father Bauer was the general manager. We had the likes of uh, Lauren Davis. Tommy Watt and uh, Claire Drake. So um, it goes back to 1979, back in the good old days. uh, And Kenny just well deserved. And as far as Kevin is, Kevin is just a warrior uh, brother that um, you know would do anything for you, and an awesome, loyal, trustworthy teammate that uh, is second to none. And um, there's more to Kevin than just uh, you know his cups and uh, his stats. There's he just meant so much more in that dressing room and uh, and so well-deserved of this honor.
1: When, as a player, did you really see it in Kevin and realize, okay, I, I can, I know I can rely on this guy and, and this is why? Is there maybe something that happened early in, in your careers where you really started to understand who he was?
2: Well, um, he was so great under pressure. Um, you know when things started to unravel. At times, the, like he was when the ship was taking on water, he knew how to uh, empty out the, the the water of the ship and get it going in the right direction on a regular basis. Game in and game out. And but there's a couple sides to uh, Mr. Kevin Lowe I mean, there's a reason why his nickname is
1: Vicious. <laughs> well, you must expand on that. <laughs>
2: Well, I, you don't want to get in his way, especially when it comes off the ice with a full stick. And by the time he makes it into the dress room, it looks like a
1: toothpick. <laughs> well, and, and that's a good point. I mean, he, he set the tone and you guys knew that. And he, he said that in his conference call today, too, that he realized in junior he was able to score goals and put up points. And, and in the NHL, he knew he'd have to find... Uh, a different dimension and that, uh, you know, he, he accepted that. And that's something sometimes players aren't able to accept. Right. But he, he realized how he was going to fit into your group.
2: Yeah. I mean, he, but he was more than just a, um, you know, a player that came to play every night. It was, there was more to his game and uh, more to um, deserving of this such an honor Um, getting inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. I mean, there's no higher honor in hockey, I don't think. And and he's so well-deserved of it because of what he contributed um, on and off the ice. I I mean, It's incredible how much influence he had on um, bringing out the best of you in every situation, especially in crucial situations in the playoffs.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to say for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America N.A. Member FDSE.
1: All right, that's Glenn Anderson. Good thoughts from him. Coming up, Drake Kajula of the Chicago Blackhawks. When the NHL resumes, we will have the qualifying round and you will have your Edmonton Oilers up against the Chicago Blackhawks in a best of five series. So Oilers and Blackhawks, some connections there. Drake Kajula, former Edmonton Oiler, now plays for Chicago and I recently caught up with Drake drake how are you doing oh i'm doing well how are you doing i'm doing very well it's nice to have you on the show again obviously we we really haven't had a talk had a chance to talk since you were traded to the blackhawks and i'll offer you congratulations in the last five or six weeks an engagement a gender reveal a lot of exciting things going on in your life yeah absolutely it's uh
3: i mean for a crazy time in the world it's been uh a little bit crazy alone just in my household but uh a lot of positive news and a lot of a lot of fun news in a time that's been uh you know pretty negative around the world and um you know pretty pretty fortunate to uh you know have a have a baby boy on the way and um you know being engaged is also a really big step and um you know looking forward to the future and that's uh it's going to come pretty quick and we're looking forward to it Okay,
1: now, i, I got to ask you about the, the gender reveal. We've all seen the social media posts of gender reveals gone wrong. You mm-hmm. tweeted yours out. It's uh, It looks like it's in the backyard, and you're firing some pucks at, at a net. Uh, I, I think it was the second or third try, which isn't bad. I'm not at all criticizing your marksmanship, but was there ever like, okay, wait a minute, like what if I fire 10 right over the crossbar and we're doing this for two
3: or three minutes? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy believe me we i did a test run so if you watch the video closely you'll notice that the net already has uh a blue a little bit of blue powder and pink powder already on it because i did a test run with uh one of each and the way the backyard was set up it's actually my fiance's parents backyard but the way their backyard is set up is that the the net was a little bit lower than where the i was shooting from so as i'm trying to shoot i kept realizing that it kept soaring up and over the net and i'm like i'm I'm really only aiming at the middle but it just kept going higher and higher so I said okay, we got to make sure that I get a couple practice rounds in. And then I, I finally hit those. And then I said, okay, let's do that. Let's do the real ones for now. And um, we're actually going to do five targets and make it more of like the all star game style and have, you know, if it was a boy or if, since it was a boy, we'd have three blue and two pink. And that way it's a little bit of a, a guessing game as you're shooting. But after I took about 20 practice shots to hit two targets, I said, no, thank you. Let's just do one and make sure I hit it pretty early and first one it went over the net the second or surprise first one went right underneath it second one went over the net and i
1: was uh fortunate enough to hit it on the third all right and uh, and you're pretty pretty excited so you are gonna have uh, have a boy <laughs> so that's what when's the uh, when's the due date
3: uh the due date's november 9th
1: um it may be a little bit earlier than that she's actually
3: found out she's probably a week ahead of what she i thought she was but um, you know we're looking forward to it and um it's definitely a life-changing moment already and um, looking forward to the uh the, the challenges to, that are coming in uh the future
1: well good for you and uh, you know cool you shared that with all your fans on, on social media i'm sure you've had a lot of a lot of well wishes tell me a little bit about this this process for you sitting out and obviously when the season was first placed in the pause with the Blackhawks where they were in the standings, you didn't even know if you were going to be one of the teams that would be able to come back for a completion of the season or a postseason tournament. So take me through the the mental side of staying ready and the physical side of trying to stay ready.
3: Yeah. I mean, for me, it was a little bit of a even different situation. Uh, I broke my hand in the second last game before the season paused and, um, at that point, they basically told me my season was over. I wasn't going to be able to come back. and um, Mathematically, it looked like we were pretty much out of the picture. But um, So I headed home and um, you know, just waited for my hand to heal and kind of just sat around and, and did what everybody did for the first little while and just kind of, enjoyed the fact of being home and, and being around family and, um, you know, being in quarantine, just watching movies and doing some small workouts in the garage or whatever it may have been. But, uh, the first couple months or first month or so was a little bit easier in terms of, you know, you know, you're not coming back to play anytime soon. It's easy to kind of just sit around and, and kind of get that summer, Mode in your mind, or kind of that refresh button, and then as the as the quarantine's gone on and things have started to loosen up, and you can see that the return to play is a lot more likely. Um, obviously, my my workouts and uh, mental state has had to ramp up, and uh, obviously get a lot more uh, preparation in and, and more workouts, more um, stick handling in the basement or shooting pucks in the basement, whatever it may be. Um, I'm a, unfortunately I haven't been able to skate yet. My equipment's been in Chicago, and by the time when they shipped it here, it would have taken six to eight weeks, so I just I left it there in Chicago, and um, I'm looking forward to heading back there this week to, to get back on
1: the ice. Alright, Drake Kajula from the Chicago Blackhawks joining us on Inside Sports. You know, I'll ask you the question that maybe isn't isn't totally fair but i want to get your perspective because i've been one of the guys who's been a little critical of of the 24 teams coming back and i've said look i don't I don't know if chicago and montreal should be in this tournament g- given where they were in the standing so you know i'll give you a chance to to fire back or or debunk what i'm what i'm saying because obviously the playoffs you know have been expanded here yeah i mean
3: traditionally you would say probably not we don't we don't necessarily deserve to be there but at the same time, um, nobody saw a pandemic coming around, and nobody saw the season getting canceled. And you never really know. Some teams can get on a, a bit of a hot streak or a bit of a run, and um, that might that might make things a little bit closer. But you never know. I mean, it's it's a tough situation. The league is so hard. You, you, I mean, mathematically, we had a real, real tough hill to climb, but uh, you never say never. And as a, as a, as a team, we were you know, thinking we're still pushing for playoffs. We never thought we were out of it. And um, now this all started and it makes it a little bit weird in a, a different situation and um, different circumstances. And we got a, a bit of second life or another opportunity and, I mean, we're still not technically in the playoffs We're we're in the play in series. So if fans are whatever, are a little upset that we're in, they can always look back and say, Oh, they still got to play their way in. And, um, you know, I think looking back at it now, I don't think the regular season really makes a difference at all anymore. Everyone's been home for over a hundred days. I don't think there's, if you came first during the regular season or you came last, it doesn't really make a difference at this point. It's just a matter of which team can get, uh, get back to game speed the quickest and I think that's going to be the telltale of who who's going to move on
1: Drake, let, let, you know, as, as I mentioned off the top, we, we haven't had a chance to talk really since you, you were traded. I, I don't want to dwell too much on the past, but I, I think that was a deal that that caught me a little bit by surprise at the time, just after Christmas in 2018. You got moved from uh, from the Oilers to the Blackhawks. Take me through that experience for you. It's always tough getting traded. It, it happened at, during the holiday season for you, and I don't know if maybe you, you saw that coming. If if Peter had told you to prepare for something what was the trade experience like
3: uh, it was a crazy experience to say the least um it all started with uh i think uh wide's wideman got traded earlier in the day during practice and then um i'd headed home and i was playing video games with my buddies and i got a text from my agent saying have you heard anything about being traded and i was like no i'm just sitting at home playing video games like i haven't heard anything and he's like okay, I'm on my way to, to the Dominican right now, but I, on the way into the airport, I heard your name on the radio and I'm trying to find out some stuff, but my plane takes off in about 20 minutes, so I'm not really sure how much I can figure out. And so now my heart rate's like 200 and I'm like, oh boy, what's going on here? I got to, do I sit by the phone? Do I keep playing with my buddies? Do I just act like nothing's happening right now and just wait for a phone call? And so I kind of just said, okay, well, nothing's obviously happened. I just got to wait and see what's going on. And uh, sure enough, like 30 minutes later, I get a phone call from from Pete and he just kind of said, Hey, like we just moved you to Chicago. Best of luck. Thanks for everything you've done here and, um, wish you all the best. And it was a very short and sweet conversation. And uh, after the phone, we hung up, I, I literally stood around my apartment in Edmonton. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. I've never been traded before. I've never been in this situation. So I didn't even know what to do. And I mean, my brain was all over the, all over the map. I was thinking of so many different things running through my mind and what do I do? What do I pack? How much do I bring? How do I get there? Like, where do I live? What do I do with my apartment here? Like all these different questions. And um, even with Stan Bowman trying to call me after the trade, he had my old phone number from college when he was trying to recruit me. So he had been calling the wrong phone number. So I didn't even hear from them for like eight hours after I got traded. It was uh it was a big a big debacle i actually even sent a text to the guys saying hey i just got traded see you later and they actually added me back into the group chat thinking i was kidding and uh it was i mean i was sorry boys i'm not kidding i'm, I'm out of here so i so i left the group chat again and i mean it was a it was a crazy experience for me i, I never saw it coming um never asked for a trade in that situation and i mean it is what it is that's part of the business that happens all the time in hockey but it, it was just uh, for my first time or, or my first ever time being traded it was uh, a pretty crazy experience and then i had to sit in edmonton for six days before my visa got worked out and um i mean most trades go probably a little bit smoother than that one did but getting traded right around the holiday season is always a, always a difficult time so it was a crazy time but uh, everything works out and everything happens for a reason and um you know i'm very excited about being in chicago
1: in Edmonton, you got to play with some some great players like McDavid, Drysaddle, Nugent, Hopkins, who are trying to work their way up to team success. You join the Blackhawks; several great players: Kane, Keith, Taves, Seabrook. We can go down the line who have already had that success, and obviously they're they're trying to get more. But they have those championships under their their belt already. What was it like stepping into that that dressing room with? that past success they've had and all those proven players.
3: Uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty, uh, pretty humbling. Obviously you, you walk in there and you see the pictures and all the Stanley cup stuff. And, um, I mean, my, my two favorite players growing up were Taves and Kane. I have both of their jerseys as a kid. So for me, you know, walking into a locker room and having my stall beside taser and, um, you know, having the North Dakota connection with him. Like it it was a very cool experience for me being able to walk into that. And um, they took me under their wing right away. They, they made me feel very welcome right away. And um, you could see just, uh, you know, the way they handled themselves at the arena, they had that, you know, veteran presence and, you know, guys look up to them and guys listen to them and guys follow what they do. And if, you know, Caner's on the ice early, then everybody else is on the ice early. If Caner's off, on the ice late and everybody's off the ice late and we just everyone kind of follows the older guys they have that veteran presence around them and everybody knows the individual success that they've had the team success that they've all had and it uh, it's a trickle-down effect for sure it's contagious it rubs off on people and um there's definitely a winning culture there and a winning attitude and it's just a matter of time before
1: uh the team gets back uh, back on track again here all right and some thoughts on facing your over your old team in this qualifying round so you're going to be going up against the the players i just mentioned and a lot of guys that you know in a very critical series
3: yeah i mean obviously it's 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 always weird when you're playing against your old team and uh especially if there's so many familiar faces left on that team it makes it a little bit more uh challenging for myself but once you get on the ice you kind of put that to the side and um you know playoff hockey there's no friendships on the ice but um you obviously respect each other you and you like each other off the ice but when it comes down to stanley cup hockey it's uh you know it's it's me versus you and and that's the way i'm i'm approaching it i'm sure that's the way they're approaching it it doesn't really matter um everybody wants to win and everybody wants to to lift the stanley cup at some point so it doesn't really matter who's in your way um obviously after the series we'll all go right back to being buddies and um it's uh, it's is definitely different but it's it's also adds fuel to the fire you're playing against your old your old organization and you want to kind of you know, do what you can to to show them that oh maybe they maybe they gave up on you a little bit too early and, and kind of just show them that you can um, you know play that uh, that spoiler role against the old team and it's a lot of fun. I, I always have fun going back to Edmonton and playing in that arena or when the uh, guys come to Chicago. It's always great to have them there and then see them for dinner and stuff like that. But uh, you know, going into the playoffs, it's it's playoff hockey. There's no friendships like I said, and uh, it'll be a good series, that's for sure.
1: Well, Drake, it's really cool to catch up with you. All the best here as you uh, you transport to Chicago and get back on the ice. And, of course, uh, all the best with with the marriage, with the upcoming uh, addition to, uh, to to the lives of you and Laura. We really appreciate you sharing that story. Thanks for checking in on Inside Sports tonight.
3: Yes, thank you very much. Appreciate you having me on.
1: All right, so that is Drake Kajula with the lowdown on the gender reveal, the trade to the Blackhawks, and a look ahead to facing some of his former... best of inside sports on 630 chad onions baby onions when we get back Hey, welcome back. From 1998 to 2008, he was the play by play voice of the Toronto Raptors. We're talking about Chuck Swirsky. We've had fun over the last two or three months profiling different play by play voices from around Canada and the United States. And as we bring you the best on Inside Sports tonight, we have an encore presentation of our chat with Chuck Swirsky. The
0: bouncer goes out in front. Carter comes up shooting. 1.2 seconds to go. He just posterized Tim Duncan with a little salsa on it. My goodness. And the play continues. Peterson. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Onions, baby onions. Raptors win. Raptors win. Get out the salami and cheese, mama. This ball
1: game is over. All right, well, there's some pretty cool memories. The guy who used to call the play-by-play for the Raptors on television, Chuck Swirsky, a voice I'm sure you know well, and uh, eventually uh, moved on from the Raptors. He's now the radio play-by-play voice for the Chicago Bulls, and we are pleased to welcome Chuck Swirsky to Inside Sports. Chuck, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. It's nice to talk to you, and I'm going to dive right in here with the hard-hitting question onions baby onions salami and cheese what is it with you
0: and food chuck <laughs> huh. well I, you know what i'm, I'm just a, one hungry man but the salami and cheese started i received a letter from a raptor fan diehard raptor fan watched uh, every one of our games said listen i just you know, i get so anxious and i i can't break away for a sandwich So can you do me a favor, when when you think the Raptors are about to win a ball game, can you let me know so I can head to the kitchen? And he goes, by the way, my wife and I love salami and cheese. I'm reading this letter, I'm thinking, what in the world? So a couple games later, Raptors are up by like eight points with 22 seconds to go. And as you know, the NBA is never over, to use the Yogi Bear expression. It ain't over till it's over. But... I thought, all right, get out the salami and cheese, mama. This ball game is over. The producer is in the truck. I'm doing TV. Producer's in the truck. And he goes, are you okay? Like, what's that? What's the salami something? And I hit the mute button. So in other words, I could talk to the production truck. But on the air, it doesn't go over. My voice does not go over the air. And so I put my finger on the button, talkback button, and I said, I'll tell you after the game. Game's over. He goes, what is that? I said, listen, it's a long story. I'll explain next game when I see you. Next home game we had two days later at then the Air Canada Center. And I'm getting emails. I'm getting people coming out like saying, we loved it. And it started to mushroom. No pun intended. Speaking of food, but it started and it took off. We had posters. The players were coming to me when the reserves would enter into a ball game when the game was decided, and the players said, "Have you called out the salami and cheese?" And I'm thinking, "What?" The players know about it, and so it just it went viral.
1: Now that fan that suggested that, did you ever talk to him again? Did you nope. ever enter? No, that was it. Nope. That was it. <laughs> he never wrote you back and said thanks. Never
0: wrote like, me back. no, nothing.
1: <laughs> that's amazing. Well, that's uh that's, that's one of those things as a broadcaster and I and I've I I've lived this to some extent too. You, you never know what's going to stick with people. I mean, of all the things that I'm the first question that's the first question I ask you. Your long and illustrious
0: broadcasting career. And, that's uh, one of the things that stuck, eh? <laughs> yes, it did. And you know what? I mean, I I when I left uh for Chicago in 2008, which was a very difficult decision. In fact, uh, we were talking off the air about Tom Anselmi, who works for the Edmonton Oilers, front office executive, best guy I've ever worked for, unbelievable person, just very caring, very engaged, um, truly, truly a magnificent um, person when it came to a skill set of embracing who you were about, respecting who you were, uh, just worked with you. You didn't feel like you were, you know, like uh, someone that couldn't walk into his office. That office door was always open. And I felt very comfortable working for him. He was tremendous, is tremendous. So, um, so when, when I, I look at the big picture here, And I'm thinking like my career and where it went and how it went. You know, it's little things like that that really make um, part of the journey to a destination where you can look back on it now and say to yourself, that was fun. Tell me a little
1: bit about what it was like for you watching the last dance. And if you've talked to, to Bill Winnington about it, of course, a Canadian player who, uh, you know, was featured in several, several
0: episodes and was a big part of some of those Bulls teams. Yeah. Well, my relationship with Bill goes actually back to college. Because I was doing DePaul, which is a a school here in Chicago. At one time, they were a a tremendous program, a very dominant program in the late 70s and 80s and early 90s. And they have fallen by the wayside. But um, DePaul had a series with St. John's. And Bill, who was born and raised in Montreal, then uh, family moved to the Long Island area recruited by everyone in the country, McDonald's All-American. And for your Canadian listeners, McDonald's All-American is like the cream of the cream. It's the elite. Um, And so Bill elected to stay home, play ball at nearby St. John's, was an All-American at St. John's. He was a first-round draft choice by Dallas in the mid-'80s, comes to Chicago, part-time starter, comes off the bench, wins three NBA rings, And now he's a featured player in this last dance. He was on TV a lot. And I think it shows how much respect Michael Jordan had for Bill, because let me tell you what, this was a Michael Jordan production. You can say all you want about the last dance and the final season of, hey, without Jordan signing off, there is no last dance. The last dance is actually probably um, a solo waltz right out the door, okay? It's not happening. But Jordan gave his blessings, and Jordan had the right to say, we're doing it, and they went for it, and it turned out well. There were other areas and angles I wish I could have seen, but you know, Bill, I think, came across extremely well. The Bulls won six championships in eight years. The Edmonton Oilers won five
1: Stanley Cups in seven years, just prior to the Bulls starting their run. Those teams are still revered here in Edmonton and we're still waiting and hoping there's going to be some teams that replicate that success. Obviously those teams are revered in Chicago. Um, is it, is it a burden on current players? Is it uh, glory days? The fans want back? Like how is that? As we move further away from those championships actually happening, how are they, uh, how are they perceived? What's the fan base like uh, with those teams on the current team?
0: Yeah, that, that's a good question. By the way, I'm, I'm taking the, and help me if I'm wrong, like Edmonton's alternate jerseys, are they the orange ones? They, they're they now the permanent ones. Those are the now the home jerseys. They okay, introduced I'm, I'm them. I'm feeling yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Those uh, I like. See, see, I mean, the little I know, other than Connor McDavid, I mean, the little I know about the Edmonton Oilers, I love their uniforms, okay? So you can have Tom Inselme send me uh, uh, an Edmonton Oiler jersey. Um, anyway, where was I? Um, so I'm talking about the Bulls. Yes, not to digress, um, but but see, here's the thing: there is a whole generation now removed. Jordan's last game was 1998. So think about that. That's 22 years ago. So if you're 25, 27 years old, you really never saw Jordan play. You have to go on YouTube to see Jordan highlights. And now, you know, the parents saw Jordan play. They probably attended a game or two if they were lucky to get a ticket during the Jordan run. But so it was really healthy for young people, even young players in the NBA that are in their 20s who never saw Jordan play. In fact, the Bulls have two players that weren't even born during the last dance. And then you had Laura Markkinen, who was from Finland, and he's in his third year. He was one year old. Zach Levine was two years old. So again, this is this is a you know they they were they they were introduced to a world that they had no knowledge of, other than stories about yeah Jordan was here at the United Center and he poured in fifty two, and this is where he took off from the foul line and the whole bit. I mean, those are great. But they didn't live those moments in real time, so I think it was healthy for young players on the Bulls to kind of say, "Okay, wow, this is kind of he had a pretty good and competitive vibe
1: yeah well, and that's uh, that's the amazing thing right is the the drive that he had the self motivation even if it, even if it was a, a it was a, like there's the one story where he said well the, he admitted know uh, the guy never actually said that to me." But, but I
0: just well, yeah, yeah I mean yeah, it's listen amazing. don't <laughs> let the facts get in the way of that story all right come on did I really say that did I do that oh I say it Thomas I guess I did say that didn't I um, but uh, but it's 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 like the fan base in Edmonton I mean the Gretzky the Gretzky run was incredible I mean absolutely incredible. We remember, I mean, you know, Michael Jordan in a wizard uniform. Are you kidding me? Well, it's like Wayne Gretzky. Like, a St. Louis Blue? A New York Ranger? No. He, you know, L.A. Kings, I get it. He put hockey on the map, Southern California. But when you think of Wayne Gretzky, you think of Edmonton Oilers. You really do. And so, um, you know, again, history will write the narrative. Michael Jordan winning six championships. I mean, it's it's like okay, you know, he he dabbled into baseball and then he came back, and I mean, wow. I mean, you know, he's he's a two-time billionaire. I mean, you can't write a better script. Chuck
1: Swirsky joining us on Inside Sports from the Bulls Radio Network And of course former play-by-play voice for the Raptors Which he touched on earlier Uh, So I mean you've been back in Chicago for over a decade now But seeing the Raptors go on that run last year Win three road games against Golden State in the finals um, I mean I'm sure that still tugged at the heartstrings a little bit for you Even though you left Toronto a while ago
0: well, yeah, I mean, the you know, the, um, the, uh, the, the Raptors, I'm, number one, I'm happy for all their success. Um, I was at a point in Raptor franchise history, I joined the club after their second season, maybe their third season, and it was the lockout of year of 98-99. And it was the perfect storm because Vince Carter was a Raptor his rookie year. We had veterans like... Kevin Willis, Charles Oakley, D. Brown, Doug Christie, um, Tracy Murray, I mean, it was a really good basketball team. Alvin Williams was just starting to turn it on as a promising player before really injuries just completely shut him down. But he played hard every night. And with the new building at the Air Canada Center, then the uh, ACC, not as we know now, but um, you know, It was Vince, and it was Tracy McGrady. And Tracy was in his second year when Vince was in his rookie year, and I only wish the two could have stayed. But as the franchise, you know, grew and developed, and then with the blockbuster trade of Kawhi Leonard, um, and things fell into place for the Raptors because the Raptors um, were maturing, Uh, there were some good teams in the NBA, but they couldn't seal the deal, and they were also banged up. That's not an excuse, just a fact. And the Raptors took advantage of it like good teams have to take advantage of it. I mean, listen, I get it. There are a lot of clubs that were hurt in the playoffs. So what? You know, I mean, that's the way life goes. Life isn't always fair when it comes to uh, sports or life for that matter. But in sports, you got to take advantage of it. Just because a player or out, you still have to play the game. So, by the way, did you know that Edmonton, the city of Edmonton was a farm club of the White Sox at one point. Oh, yeah, the Trappers, absolutely, yeah. Yeah? Yeah, we had a few. Because Ron Kittle played here. He did. Who, and when uh, he would hit a, I'll tell you what. He, he told me he hit a ball so hard that it, it, it went to Burnaby. He, well, did he
1: have exactly 50 home runs? I think he led triple a that one season. So he was, I I actually
0: made up that story, but, (laughs) but I mean, I know he did enjoy Edmonton and, and the reason why I know Burnaby park in Vancouver area is I grew up in Seattle. And so when I played as a little boy, I played soccer and we would have these exchanges. So we would go up to Vancouver and play on their pitch i.e. field, turf, whatever you want to call it. And then uh, they would come down, the Canadian team would come down to Seattle and they would play a weekend series. We would play one game Saturday, one game Sunday. And um, I'll never forget, one year we went up to Vancouver and it rained so, so hard. I mean, really, really hard that the field was unplayable on Saturday. And so they're expecting, okay, we'll, we'll just do this again on Sunday. And the whole tournament got washed out. We went to Vancouver and we saw rain. And it still bothers me today. I've actually had to go to therapy.
1: Yeah, you're still thinking about it many years later. That's amazing. Well, poor Vancouver, the, you're reinforcing the, uh, the stereotype about all the rain. No, I
0: love Vancouver. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I, I wish Vancouver was still in the NBA. It was a great, It was a great stop. You know, I not well, feeling they're, they're, I wasn't feeling their teal uniforms uh, when they were played, but that's another thing. We've gotten into a uniform-like thing today, but yeah, we're all okay. over the map. Well, let, let
1: me throw one more. Thanks for coming on. This is so much fun to talk about, talk to you. Uh, I mean, you've had a great broadcasting career. You're most associated with basketball, but when you uh, work in media and you get doing play-by-play, You never know maybe what booth you could be sitting in. You're doing this in Edmonton. Any hockey play-by-play on your resume or any type of hockey story from a media perspective that really sticks with you?
0: Well, uh, I remember uh, I did um, pre-, post- and intermission for the Red Wings when the Red Wings won a couple of cups against uh, Philly and Washington, respectively, right before I joined the Raptors. That was a lot of fun. Steve Eisenman was the ultimate captain. I loved him. I loved Brendan Shanahan. They were great. Scotty Bowman, um, unbelievable man. probably, I would say of all the coaches and managers in sports I've met, he probably is the greatest head coach I've ever been around. He was always one or two or three steps ahead of anyone else. He was a magnificent coach and he was locked in and he wanted structure. I get that, but he had a manner and a way of handling his team. And it was very successful. Just not with the Red Wings, you look at his record, whether it was with Montreal, St. Louis, Pittsburgh, I mean, he was, he was really, 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 really good. <laughs> Yeah, you won everywhere you
1: went, that's for sure. Chuck, uh, we're going to have to do this again. Uh, this is yes. awesome to have you on the show. And uh, hopefully the next time we do it, we're talking about actual current games being played and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But thanks for sharing some uh, memories of your
0: career and your uh, critique of uniforms and all the other fun yeah, stuff. Yeah, you know, um, we'll have to talk about, uh, well, I did soccer and we would play in Edmonton. We had a, Edmonton had a North American soccer yeah, team. Yeah, the drillers. The drillers. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. All right. I'll let you go. Be well. All right. That is good
1: stuff from Chuck. Yeah. Salami and cheese. Indeed. Really good to talk to him. Now doing great work calling games for the Chicago Bulls. We're heading into our final segment. Hope your Canada Day has been a good one. My name's Reed Wilkins. Back in a couple of minutes. Best of Inside Sports on 630 Chad. All right, good to have you along for the ride tonight. This has been a fun one, a best-of edition of Inside Sports. You heard from Chuck Swirsky, Drake Kajula, Glenn Anderson, Martin Jelena, Warren Moon, and Chris Cuthbert. You ever miss anything on the show or want to hear it again? Sign up for the Inside Sports podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and you can also go to the show page on 630ched.com. We are back with live shows tomorrow. Bob Stauffer has Oilers now from noon to 2. I will have Inside Sports from 6 to 8 as as we'll keep you updated on the latest from the National Hockey League and whatever else is going on in the world of sports. Dave Campbell is the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer. My name is Reed Wilkins. Hope your Canada Day has been a good one. I will talk to you tomorrow night at six o'clock. Take care, everyone.
0: Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.